Why hello there everyone and welcome to episode number 11 of the Monocle Moments podcast. Here it's my mission to use the power bestowed upon me with the Monocle to offer you different perspectives through the stories of the fascinating people that appear on the podcast. And so today I'm talking to Anana Diager. She just published a book called Poems of Recovery with the subtitle A Young Girl's Path to Recovering from an Eating Disorder and Amenorrhea. Now I should tell some of you beforehand that this is quite an intense conversation. It's a difficult topic and so listener discretion is advised. Anyways, we get into how she went about writing these poems, uh, what it looks like to have an eating disorder, if she believes you can overcome an eating disorder, the effect of the modeling industry, if any, but also we talked about the things that have helped her recover. Then in the second part, we talk a little bit about relationships. You know, what does it look like when you have an eating disorder and you're trying to have a relationship? And then lastly, we talk about motorbikes because both Ananda and I love motorbikes. So I hope you enjoy this episode and without further ado, I bring you my conversation with Ananda the Jager. Hello everyone, welcome to episode number 11 of the Monaco Moments podcast. Today my guest is Ananda. Ananda, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So uh, the first question, as we uh, discussed during the trial, is can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Ananda, I'm 26 years old, I work in the beauty industry, and I've just published a book. So uh, maybe we can just start there about your book, because I, th- I think that's what we're mostly going to talk about today. I have a feeling too that that's, <laughs> that's the topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, well, I've just published a book um, about recovery. So it's called Poems of Recovery. And actually what the book is about, it's about my process of actually recovering from not getting my period, which was due to the fact that I was under eating and over exercising, uh, which I think a lot of young girls, but also young guys struggle with. And I've decided to write down my thoughts and kind of the process of accepting yourself in order to help and inspire other people to show them they're not alone and to show them that if you work through it it does get better so so my the first thing i'm very curious about is and i want to talk about the whole timeline and you know how that started and all of that but how did you decide to actually kind of be open about this and and start writing about it because to me that seems like a hurdle in itself I think it started when I was um, reposting a lot of poems on my Instagram or like a lot of quotes uh, and a lot of people replied to that like, oh, thank you, I really needed this quote today or it really made my day better um, or thank you for sharing these poems, Uh, they're so inspiring, I always love seeing the inspiring things you share and I've always thought about writing a book but it seemed to me like such a big hassle if you have to write 150 full pages of a story. You really yeah. you have to write a lot. Yeah. So I think last year, summer, end of summer, I would say around August, I, I was writing in my diary and I thought, actually it also helps to write down in kind of a poem form what I'm feeling and it doesn't take as much time uh, to write a poem. So that's how it started. And I just thought, okay, if you write one poem a day, you will have at one point a full book uh, because I knew one of my friends had published a book with Book Scout with Printing on Demand 
and I sent it in December and in March it got accepted. So during the lockdown in Belgium, uh, everything was finalized. So did you just write a poem every single day for 132 days? No, I wrote on some days I wrote more, on some days I wrote nothing. It was really just based on feeling uh, or if something happened that I needed to process, I wrote it down instead of boiling it up. Yeah. So I really want to get into a couple of the poems as well. But before that, I'm just very curious to hear the timeline of the whole, of the whole, yeah, well, eating disorder. I, I, I know, I know the word is a bit of a trigger word. We just discussed that, but um, yeah, let's, yeah. Let, let's, yeah, let's at go first, I also didn't want to put it on the book. I was just like, okay, young girl's path to recovering from amenorrhea. But then a lot of people don't know what that is, but I really wanted to avoid the word. I, I had to look up the words, to be honest. I didn't <laughs> yeah, know what it was. I know. So it's for the people the, that don't know what it is, that, that it means that you lose your period, yeah, right? Yeah, for three or more months. Um, the timeline, I would say, actually from a young age, I was always, I was a difficult kid and I was very controlling and I liked to have control. And for me, that I found in food, I would say I was already at 12, 13 I remember eating less um, and I've also modeled for a long time, but it's not, I would say it's not the fault of the modeling that I had problems with eating because um, it was more, it was easy to say, oh, but I'm supposed to be this thin because I'm a model than the other way around that the modeling really triggered it. I think an eating disorder, it's never about the food. It's always about control or something more. So I remember at 15, I was only eating an apple for lunch uh, or like a cracker for breakfast. And then people were sometimes like, yeah, but how did your parents allow it? But I didn't, I wouldn't have listened anyway. If they would have given me lunch, I would have just thrown mm. it away. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if you're in that or in that process, you, yeah, if people give you food, you don't, you just don't eat it. Yeah. So you were kind of 15 when. Yeah, I think, yeah. And when you were at that age, did you kind of realize that something was maybe not, well, I mean, at some point you, you know that you have an eating disorder and you know, at least rationally speaking, that that's maybe not healthy, right? When did that? I think when I was in university, I think I thought like, okay, but I can't eat an apple for lunch the rest of my life. Like, it's super weird when you go to work, you have lunch with your colleagues and you eat an apple. So, or when I would go on a trip with my, well, now ex-boyfriend, it was always super difficult to find a restaurant and everything. But I never wanted to admit that there was something wrong because it, I didn't see it as a problem because I wanted to keep the control right. in that sense. So... When I realized there was a problem, if you don't get your period, okay, it's, it's, I stopped the pill at that time and you can say, okay, it's because of the pill, but if you don't get it back after one year, at one point, maybe, maybe there's more, you know, yeah. especially because you also get other symptoms. Like I was always cold. I would sleep in Milan with like three pairs of socks, uh, six blankets, five sweaters, and I would still be cold, mm. always working out, obsessively counting calories, those kind of things. Um, so that's when I thought, okay, maybe something needs to change. <laughs> yeah. 
So it was quite a bit later then, because if it started at 15, then you were probably 21, 22 when... Yeah. When did I go? I would say two years ago, three years ago. I went yeah. to Milan in 2017, and that's when, yeah, you started seeing it too, I would say. Because before that, you never saw it. Because you don't, if you don't eat enough, but you eat just enough, your body, you come become kind of like the skinny fat. Like you're very skinny, but your body tries to hold on mm -hmm. to whatever food you give it. But then in Milan, my body just wouldn't take any of the food. I could eat whatever I wanted and I would stay super skinny. Yeah. Which in a girl's mind, somewhere it's like, oh my God, this is perfect. Yeah. But, but then at one point you start to wonder, yeah, okay, what if I want to have kids? In five years, uh, maybe, like, you don't want to make that choice when you're 24, 25. Yeah. So one thing I want to discuss at the beginning of the podcast to make sure that you can get that message out there is uh, the part about your parents. Uh, meaning that I saw on your one of your stories that some people go up to your parents and say things like, do you feel guilty, which is in my opinion, quite a nasty thing to say. Uh, but I, I thought I would give you a chance to comment on that. I, my parents are honestly the sweetest people ever. They could have done nothing different. And even... Sometimes your parents can do everything right, but if you're not ready to hear it or to see the lesson, then it doesn't matter what they do. They couldn't have done anything different. And of course, I cannot imagine what it's like to be a parent and to have your kids go through something. Yeah. But I don't think it's fair to say, like, do you feel guilty? Because it's not their fault. Yeah. It, it, it was never about them. It was about me and the control. And it's like, a, yeah, I don't know. I. I think there's such a stigma on mental health and everything that when you talk about it, people will also give negative reactions. Yeah. Of course, there's a lot of positive and a lot of openness. And I really believe there's sort of a strength in vulnerability. Yeah. But, and I also believe that things happen with a reason. So I always say that getting amenorrhea, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because in the end, I got my period back. I'm on this podcast now. It gave me the book. Yeah. I have so many good conversations. I wouldn't have changed anything. Hmm. But it's not my parents' fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, I feel like I talk a lot. That's that's the point of the podcast. You're supposed to talk a lot. <laughs> First time I'm here. <laughs> so I just want to read one of the po poems okay. that really stuck with me because I I personally love reading like business books and like all the all these kind of books and they always talk about growth and you know focus on, on growth and then you wrote this poem so um, whatever you focus on will grow but I want to shrink I wish it did not show but I need to rethink. It's so weird hearing other people read your poems. Yeah. So, so uh, what I like about this poem is that it, it's it's this idea to me it seems which is which is very much put on Instagram and all these quotes like you know like focus on what will grow and stuff and then you see the really kind of almost sarcastic way that you take that as in I, I don't want to focus on it because I don't want it to grow which almost to me sounds like you don't want to focus on the fact that there may be something going on there. 
It's easier not to look at your feelings than it is to go through them in a sense. It's mm. easier to, but not easier, but when you don't eat, you don't feel as much emotions because your body goes into survival mode, right? Yeah. You, you, you feel your empty stomach, but when you allow yourself to eat and to feel then you also feel your emotions and I think that's what the poem was about but also I think with eating disorders it's also very much about accepting yourself and mm -hmm. feeling like you deserve a place in this world Yeah. and shrinking it's also like you take up as little space as you can and um, I just had the right words but now I forgot them like making yourself smaller not visible not taking your place not yeah. wanting to be in the way of anybody is that part of what it was about for you? Yeah, like hiding and... Because now I feel like I'm fully out in the open. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> There's no hiding here anymore. Yeah. So that, that's actually something I'm, I'm curious about because uh, to me it seems like it's... You're being extremely vulnerable here, which I really appreciate because uh, reading your book was inspiring to me. It's, uh, it's intense to read. I'll give people that. Like I had some moments that I was reading it and I, I had a couple of tears in my eyes because of what you're reading, because it's really what's going on. And that's just a very honest thing to put out there, but it's not necessarily easy to read in that sense. Um, but how did you, well, first of all, was it hard for you to be now open about it? And how did you, how did you go through saying, okay, I'm, go I'm going to just do it? I didn't think about the consequences. <laughs> so that's easy. Yeah, I write it. That, those are my feelings. I publish it. But you don't think, oh, uh, somebody's going to read it. I didn't think like, oh, all my colleagues, all my friends, all my family are going to read it and they're going to want to talk about it. If mm. I had known that, you wouldn't have done it. Really? Or From, maybe maybe I, less quickly. You yeah, you would have thought about it a bit more, but that's also the process, right? You just put it out there, you mm -hmm. see what happens. But what I notice as well with sharing things on Instagram, the more open I am, the more open other people are. Yeah. And I think there you can build a true connection. Instead mm -hmm. of everybody pretending that everything is fine, that they're doing fine, that there's nothing wrong, it's okay to talk about your feelings. Don't stay stuck in them. Of yeah, course, yeah. it's okay to talk about your feelings, but you also have to see, okay, maybe I'm stuck in a certain pattern or maybe I'm thinking a specific way or maybe what I'm doing is not actually healthy for myself or my body. How can I change it? But yeah. change, not everybody wants to do it because sometimes yeah. it's easier to stay where you are. Yeah, so that's actually what I think we should talk about next, the, um, the process of, of, of change and recovery. Um, if I would just look at myself, I know I have some mind patterns at times, which I think to myself, okay, I don't want to have those, right? Or, or I want to change this thing about myself. But if you've done something for, in my case, 23 years, you can't change it in 10 minutes, right? And I suppose that, uh, for instance, you say it was around 15, but you've always had this maybe control, like want of control. Y you can't change it probably in, in, in a month, so how how did you how did that process start and how did it what kind of things 
were you doing or were you not doing anything did it just happen it didn't just happen i wish i could say oh magically i woke up one day and everything was fine <laughs> no it, it was really a process um i would say uh, losing my period then going to milan um I didn't I believe I didn't go to the doctor first of all. I thought mm. if I go to the doctor what they often say, okay, you need to eat more, but it's not about the food. Yeah. Like there's always more to it and often what doctors do when you lose your period, they give you the pill so you get like a fake period, but that's not a real period. And it's I think a period not, is also yeah. a a sensitive topic and a lot of people talk about it. It's like kind of hidden, but it's so cool that your body can do that every month mm -hmm. and it's something in my opinion that should be celebrated. But that's a different podcast, maybe. Yeah. Um, but the process, um, I've always chosen a more spiritual path. So I've read a lot of books. I've seen The Secret. I've read books about the, uh, healing your body, how to heal your body, the effects of food. Mm -hmm. And I went to a lot of more spiritual healers, coaches, energetic right. workers. I did family constellations. Um I went on a few retreats, um, and I think those really helped. Okay. But also, the I work a, a lot with Marissa Klauer, so she's yep. an energetic worker, and I love her, but she's very confronting, which is good, because if, if your friends or your family or whoever don't confront you with things, you're never going to change. But also, I wasn't ready to hear things before so my mom would say oh you're not eating enough you're over exercising but i was like no that's not true i'm not over i'm i'm eating way enough i'm not over exercising i don't have my period because of xyz it's not because of my body but then slowly you start to get there writing helped a lot and also What I did a lot is trying to find my happiness, meaning doing things that you enjoy, like driving a motorbike. I love it. So I'm going to focus yeah. more on that. Like really put your body out of stress. Why would you do things that you don't like? Why would you hang out with people that don't inspire you? You have this life. And I think also for me, I, the last thing I would want is if I ever have kids one day that my kids go through the same. Yeah. Like here it stops. I'm, I refuse to show them a bad eating pattern so that they end up with the same. I would never want anybody to go through that. Yeah, it's, when I was reading your poems, it seemed like that was one of the more intense things that you wrote about. Like you had, you had two poems about that and one which I really liked, if I may read it, is um, poem 29. It's... I never screamed so loud. I never felt so proud. Her body was carrying a little girl. My heart had made a little twirl. Knowing one day my body could maybe do the same and I would be the only one to blame if I didn't feed it and I could never forgive myself if I did. That's a really intense one. So it, it seems like, because there's, a, there's a one or two more where you talk about Yeah, it's the Kids. my colleagues were pregnant at that time yeah. when I was trying to get my period back, and I was like, "Yeah, but just imagine one day having that." But it's so cool what bodies can do, right? I mean, yeah. let's be honest. I totally fucked up my body, but it recovered <laughs> from it. Yeah. So yeah, I was super impressed by that, and that 
bodies can grow things like yeah. female bodies sorry about that for you <laughs> <laughs> we grow hair <laughs> yeah. your body does a lot of good things too i'm sure but a female body can really grow a kid and i thought yeah i don't know if i want kids but if i want them one day then i need to to make my body better yeah so so what are because then you talk about that you went to retreats, you had coaches, you did a lot of writing. What are maybe some things that were very challenging to try to get over it? Maybe certain beliefs or... It was really hard to let go of my food schedule. Um, I think until August last year, I've always had the same lunch, the same breakfast, usually the same dinner, eating at the same times. So really listening to your body, um, letting go of working out uh, seven days a week, sometimes more. I mean, I still work out a lot, but it's different now. It's yeah. more like finding that balance between all or nothing. So I work with another uh, sports coach now, and her motto is really always something. So... It's not all or nothing. If you eat one cookie, you don't need to eat the whole bag. You yeah. can eat just one cookie. It's okay. The cookies are not going to disappear. Um, or if you don't work out for one day, you can do it the next day. Like not every day is going to be good, but it's more seeing the long-term vision instead of the short-term one. And also saying, like, yeah, but I don't like my friends because they look a certain way. I like them for the person they are. Yeah. And people are often so preoccupied with their own insecurities that they don't even care if you, I don't know, if you have a zit on your forehead or if you weigh two or three kilos more, nobody's going to even see it or nobody's even going to care. Yeah. And if they do comment on that, then you just need new friends. Yeah. I think you're making a very good point because whenever you're meeting new people, I think the weight we put on how they look versus how we look is... Uh, We, we overstate the importance on ourselves. Or at least, I mean, yeah. I, I do as well. Yeah, we're probably our own worst critic. Yeah. I would never talk to my friends the way I talked to myself in the past. Mm. Never. So, so are you now noticing kind of like... Because a lot of it is internal dialogue, right? Yeah. Like you just have thoughts. And uh, I always find that interesting because whenever you talk about thoughts, it kind of seems like they're just there. And then I'm always like, okay, to who do those thoughts belong? Because they just seem to appear. But anyways, does the conversation in your head seem to have changed already? Yeah, I notice. Um, so your body has like three brains, they say. You have your gut, yeah. so like your instinct, your belly, your heart and your head. And I notice when, my, when those are in balance. So if something feels off in my gut, I start to overthink. Mm -hmm. So I'm really trying to listen more to that feeling in my belly and... So that's how your thoughts become lighter, affirmations, writing them down. Mm. Um, and also your thoughts don't have to be your reality. Just because I used to tell myself I'm fat doesn't mean that I was. Yeah. So really trying to change your internal dialogue and also seeing where does it come from? Why do I have this thought? What triggered it in the past? What situation led to this? Why don't I feel good enough? Or why do I allow myself to be treated in a certain way? Yeah. It's, it's a lot of also inner child work, yeah. so to say. Like the younger you listen to them, see where the thoughts come from, the patterns. 
sounds very heavy, like a lot of work, <laughs> but it's also fun, right? I mean, yeah, I talk to girls now who are in the middle of it and I just want to show them like, go through it. I know it's shitty, but one day you're going to walk on the street, you're going to be dancing, you're going to be singing. You're going to have so much energy to do all the things you want to do. You're going to be able to achieve your dreams. And it's also yeah, a kind of a luxury problem in a sense, right? I mean, yeah. if, if, if my biggest problem is whether I'm going to eat a specific food or not, or then I have it pretty good as well. Like really being grateful every day for what I have. It's it's an interesting question. I wonder if there's any if there's any I wonder if they have any studies about that to see if 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 eating disorders also happen in in kind of like maybe because you're from a very lovely family and uh yeah, I've and always like a, had everything that I yeah, needed. You have a you know a great a great base and I wonder if that have a, has any influence. But to be honest, I don't know. I don't know. I'm either. not sure if it matters at all. Because it's something that seems to be in the mind as well. Yeah. well. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves and the way we look. It's also in all the magazines and everything. and I It also feel, comes back yeah. from insecurities. and yeah. I do have a feeling that people that... Um, yeah, people that are, for instance, more fit or more skinny are also way harsh on themselves on that. Like... If I just, you know, just if looking around me, um, all the people who are really skinny that I know will always say like, oh yeah, I, you know, this summer I'm going to have to watch out a little bit because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get fat. And then if I look at my heavier friends and, and people I know, they, they will never comment on food or on their weight. So, and I, I see the same in, you know, you actually got me into a couple of modeling shows. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> I don't no, think I totally belong there, but it doesn't matter. It was, it was great fun. But I have never seen a group of people who is so skinny, so good looking, and so obsessed with the way they look and how much they eat. Um, I had a friend, uh, I have a friend that I was talking to a while back and uh, she said to me, hey, should I get into, you know, into modeling? Uh, and I said, no, I don't think you should. Because, I mean, you're absolutely gorgeous, but I generally speaking don't think it's a great industry to be in. What, what do you think about that? I feel like this is a very sensitive topic. Mm. Um there's a lot of girls who naturally have a really fit body. There's mm -hmm. a lot of super good trainers out there, dietitians. If you do not get the proper education on how to work with your body instead of against it, how to feed your body properly, how to train in the right way, then it can become easy to eat less when your agency, for example, tells you don't gain weight. So it's really... In my opinion, I love I loved modeling. I, I yeah. really I met great people. I had a lot of fun. Mm. But if you don't get the proper education, or if you don't have the right support system from your agency, then it can become tricky. If you are already insecure and maybe already have pre-existing issues. So how you know? Let's say there's parents listening here, and they have a, a 16-year-old daughter who's like you know, like I want to get into modeling, mom, dad, 
um, how should they go about that? How should they deal with that decision? You can always email a few agencies or call them and just see if you ask them, for example, okay, what about the measurements? Will she get any guidance in that? See with who they work. So there's a lot of great people out there who have training books, who have the right nutrition. Um, See if they provide any help with that. Because the good agencies, they educate you in that. Yeah. But it's with everything in life, right? There's good and bad things. I mean, it's the same if you do a different job, if you don't get the right education. Yeah, it can go awfully wrong. Yeah, yeah you can always overdo everything. Yeah. But it's yeah, it seems to me like in particular the, the modeling world is is prone to or or maybe maybe it's the other way around. Maybe it's it attracts people who already um, are skinny are skinny and, and prone to eating disorders because you, it's you, interesting. Did, you did say you did say that you already had it before you went yeah. into modeling and it was just kind of like a good excuse to stick with measurements yeah so it's a difficult topic um, because I know there's a lot of talks about the modeling industry and I don't want to add to those talks in a sense yeah. that it's different for everybody yeah. so I know a lot of girls in the modeling industry it's like um, a top sport professional sport yeah. because you really have to train you have to eat in the right way and also top models you need food if you're on set for 12 hours you need to treat your body properly you need to eat mm-hmm. the right things to feed your body so yeah. I would say the top of the top, but they also, they have personal trainers, they have dietitians, a lot of good people around them because it is in the end, it's about your body. So you need to treat it in the best possible way. So are you still modeling? No, no, I stopped. What, What made you stop? I knew that if I would stay in the industry, it would, I kind of sabotaged myself. Um, let me explain. I knew that I wasn't getting my period. So I decided to come out with the story. I decided to admit to what I had. I decided to write a book. I decided to stop modeling and start working Mm -hmm. because I knew if I would ever want to go back, now I can't anymore. Yeah. Not that I want to, but at that point I still wanted to stay where I was at. Mm. So I'm, I think we are very good at telling ourselves certain stories so I decided to sabotage myself by just coming out with everything. Because yeah. yeah, that's the thing, now that it's out there, um, I remember T- Tim Ferriss wrote a book, uh, The 4-Hour Body, where he talks about you know, like, um, all the fitness things he did, like, like low-carb diets and, and working out, you know, how he got really a lot of muscle in a very short period of time. And he also said in one of the interviews, like, okay, now that I've written this book, I'm going to have to be in perfect shape forever. And it seems like the same when you now have this book it puts a bit of pressure on not <laughs> at, at least not not showing the behaviors to people i don't know if it means it goes away but yeah that's that's the thing like of course there are certain things that still come back right or certain thoughts or behaviors and i still like to keep a bit of control yeah. um which i don't think is necessarily a bad thing yeah I mean, I like to eat healthy. It makes you feel good. Um, I think healthy eating is not 
yeah. the problem. I think But it's the, more what drives it, right? Yeah. Like, what are the thoughts that make you eat healthy? Um, but yeah, it's also... Like, I'm not fat. I'm not even close to being fat. Yeah. So people still make comments sometimes. Um, if I would lose weight, I would have like a whole... I always call it my team, but a whole support group <laughs> around me who would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Because yeah. I still notice that people look at what I eat. And I still have my moments. I mean, mm. <laughs> with my roommates, I'm known as the girl who eats broccoli with soya sauce. Well, that also says a lot, right? Yeah. Um, but now <laughs> I eat way more, but they mm. still see that. And like they would no they notice it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a recommendation. No, but <laughs> they still, people notice it right now. And of course, it's not gone But I would say it's gone, I'm doing well, but of course sometimes little things come back, yeah. but then not as extreme. As in preparation for uh, our discussion, I talked to some people I know who are or have struggled uh, with anorexia and or an eating disorder or, or, or anything. And one of the questions that was asked for me to ask you is, is if you think it ever goes away. Yes. Okay. I know a lot of people say, oh, it's something you live with forever. Yeah. But I really believe in the power of your mind. So if you're going to tell yourself you're going to live with it forever, you mm -hmm. probably will mm -hmm. live with it forever. But if you tell yourself, I'm better, I'm over it, I, I'm creating the life I want, then I think it does go away. And But... Then it's also what do you define going away? Of course, there might be moments where maybe after Christmas that you eat a bit healthier because you had a yeah. lot of big dinners, but that doesn't mean you're straight back at point zero. Yeah. So I, so I you do may believe still have all the thoughts, or thoughts may come no, back to you, or yeah, or you think like now I'm eating a lot because I want to grow muscle, and I have to reach a certain target with my calories which for me, it still feels like a lot. But some days, of course, I think, oh, I'm below. Maybe I, I can just reduce already, you know? But then I'm like, no, I'm yeah. just gonna try this. You just, they don't take over your day anymore. Yeah. I'm not obsessed all the time. What am I gonna eat next? How am I gonna eat? How am I gonna do it? If I'm gonna go to this dinner, I can't go to this dinner. I need to know what I'm eating. I need to know what time I'm eating. It's way more with the flow. Yeah. So where where do you think you're kind of at right now in the recovery phase, so to say? Would you say it's 100% gone or would you say it's... Uh, I would say, I think 80% because I notice sometimes when things happen around me that I can't control, mm -hmm. such as the full lockdown in Belgium, then I I can be straight back at square one. Yeah. But I... I think now that I have the tools and the willpower to not go back. What does square one look like? Uh, 800 calories a day, I would say. Okay. Yeah. And running. Oh, I hate running. But if, if I start running, yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But square one, you're never back at square one, right? No. I mean, you think you might be, but you can never go back... To the past, you've you've always grown in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. I'm gonna grab another one of your poems. Um, <laughs> it's pretty. Intense, You're loving this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the poems. Uh, I think Thank they're really, you. really good. 
Uh, and yeah, especially if you read the whole book, there's a certain progression to it, which is just which is just interesting because I also feel like towards the beginning of the book there's some more um, there's some more ones which are maybe a bit more shocking where if you don't have those thoughts and you read it you're like oh whoa and then toward the end it seems to be more and more kind of towards accepting oneself and and then there's actually um I don't, yeah. was it weird for you to read it because you know me because i feel like it's different to read it if if you know the person that wrote it or you didn't think about that at all reading it well, it's good question it, it's, it's not weird in the sense that i know that I mean, when I, whenever I read anything, I just kind of accept it, and I don't try to, you know, judge in a way. But it did do something to me emotionally. Um, so, I I did think a couple of times, Ananda, did you you really thought that to yourself. I'm I'm sorry to hear that 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 happened. That that's mostly what I had reading it. Um, yeah, because. Because you're really suffering if you look at it, like and 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 despite the fact that it's something that is not coming from the outside in a sense, but that is happening to yourself, and you could argue if you do it to yourself or not. I'm not sure. You could say it happens to you in a sense as well, but it's still suffering. And and reading that is you know especially when it's about your friends is yeah it's, it's not it's not uh, it doesn't it doesn't leave you you know chilled on the inside like laughing like oh hey that just happened no it's it's it's, it's intense <laughs> yeah, I bet I can yeah. imagine. but it's also really good because um it gave me a different kind of understanding of what's going on yeah, i think yeah. a lot of people what i heard a lot uh when i came out with it it sounds like coming out of the closet or something but <laughs> 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 it's like ah i finally understand you yeah which was interesting because I did an interview back in November about the same topic and I got replies from people from high school saying, I felt like I could never get a grasp on you, but now that I read it, I finally understand. Hmm. So that was super interesting to hear those talks, those thoughts. And also that you, I met some of my old high school friends and you see like what I thought was not what they thought. In a sense, yeah. I, I thought everybody found me annoying, for example, but that's not at all what they felt, which is super interesting. Annoying? Yeah, but it comes from your own insecurity. Okay. Like not wanting to take your space or feeling like you're a burden to people and that's why you want to make yourself smaller. Because that's something you've mentioned a couple of times. Like, I don't, I don't want to take up space. I don't want to be a burden. And, yeah. Um, I notice that sometimes in general, also between the two of us, that you don't want to be too much. Yeah. Could you maybe talk more about what that... Um, do you have a more specific question? Um, so where, no. maybe, maybe where you think it came from or... or but I know what, where, what you're it, I know where it came from, but that's that I'm not ready to share. Okay. Um, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I, I think it all comes back to not only me, but a lot of people not feeling good enough or not feeling like they're allowed to stand in their full power. But it's really about changing the narrative with yourself as well of saying, I'm allowed to be here. Mm -hmm. And if people didn't want to hang out with me, they wouldn't hang out with me in the first place. Yeah. Like not feeling guilty 
for taking people's time. Yeah. In a sense. Mm. That doesn't really answer your question. That's okay. We can we can pick a different question. <laughs> but I think it's where it came from. It can be different for anybody. But really, try to look at situations in in your childhood or at your even high school because that shapes per people a lot. Where does it come from? What triggered this? Mm -hmm. And that can really help you. So, do you think in general, like we're we're talking about this now, and I'm suppose you've talked about it with a fair amount of people at this point. Uh, maybe not on a podcast or anything, but. Um, Does talking help in general? Is it helpful to talk about it? It's helpful to talk if you also change your behavior after. Okay. If I'm going to talk about the same problem from, for one year, but I don't change anything, then it's not going to help anybody. Mm -hmm. And so you said that... In um, my opinion. Yeah. I, I forgot the name of the person you just mentioned, but the person that was very confronting to you. Yeah. What's her name again? Marissa. Marissa. What did that confronting look like? Did you did you talk about maybe how you looked or something, and then she would just come in and say, "Ah, oh, no, 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 not at all." Um, but I don't really have a clear example right now. Yeah, I see the images in my head from my memories, but yeah. <laughs> that's not going to help on this podcast. <laughs> but just saying, like, "Hey, you're doing this. You're sabotaging yourself." Or if you keep talking about this, like I remember saying, "I really want a six pack. I really want a six pack." And then she said, "Just stop talking about it already. If you want a six pack, do it." Not exactly that she said that, but more like those kind of, if you want to change something, actually do it. Don't keep talking about it, but go work towards the goal. And it's mm. also not going to help anybody if you keep mentioning it, but you don't change it. Yeah. Um, but she's the best, honestly. Okay, that's good. <laughs> we'll put a, a link in the show notes towards uh, to her website or something like that. Great, great. That's, uh, that's <laughs> yeah, okay. that's great. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I think this is a good segue to something else, which I noticed in some of your poems, um, which is dating. <laughs> so <laughs> for the people that don't know, we, we've never dated or anything, but we did get married uh, <laughs> at some point. We were in Brussels and uh, we were discussing how, how, how an original proposal would look like nowadays and we decided that just putting as a facebook status um that you're married would probably be the best way so we were married and then uh, and we got a we still get replies about people yeah. asking how it is it's, I, it's been great <laughs> <laughs> first thing is my aunt called my mom to congratulate her like oh hey yeah getting married that's great and and even a year later i have a friend in thailand who, who sent me a message saying like how's your marriage going and i said oh i'm not married so <laughs> that was a really bad practical joke but very funny to us um, yeah so oh it's so great that you're with Yep. Now, uh, thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not together. <laughs> But um, what I did want to talk about was was just a dating thing because there's a, there's a couple of poems where you talk about it. Yes. Can you speak to that? <laughs> I, feel, I feel bad for the guys I've dated. Sorry. If people date me in the future, don't worry. I'm not gonna write about it. <laughs> um. Yeah, dating. I, I always found it tough to date, right? Because dating, you also have to go on dinners. And I never wanted to really do that or it had to be planned. Um, my past relationship, there was also talks about food, of course. Uh, I remember going on holidays and then being being food obsessed. But 
dating i think being in a relationship it's probably one of the most confrontational things uh, you never have anybody who's that close to you and you mm. can't really hide anywhere so to say and of course you also have to be well it's the fun part right but <laughs> you also have to be naked yeah um, <laughs> which if you're not comfortable with your body it can be very tough but i also think the energy you put out is the energy you get back yeah and if if you are comfortable in your own skin and you feel good about yourself, you also won't allow people to treat you in a certain way, I would say. Because so, I, I sense something yeah, of if, not being treated the way you wanted to in the past. Yeah, because what you allow will continue, right? So mm -hmm. I'm not sure how to put this in words. First of all, I'm super thankful for all the dating experiences I had. It was a lot of fun, but it's also dating is very confrontational. And if you are confident or I see people around me that are confident, they know what they want from a specific person. And if they don't give that to them, they're like, okay, next, in a sense. Mm. Like, let's say someone is not texting back or treating you the right way or whichever that can mean for you. Eh? Maybe some people want to meet only once a week. Some people want to meet three times a week. You shouldn't have to change yourself to be with a person. Hmm. Unless you want to or it goes natural or let's say you're with a person that eats very healthy and you want to eat healthier. But you also want to be treated with a certain kind of respect and you are allowed to demand that respect from people or to say what you need. And if somebody cannot meet your needs, don't make yourself smaller just to fit in their box. So mm. what I did with dating often is I became the person I thought the other person wanted me to be. And then you lose yourself in that process. Yeah. Whereas I notice when I'm fully myself, everything also flows nicer. Yeah. I does think, it make sense yeah no it, it, it does make sense because i mean I, i'm thinking the same thing like the, the hard thing about relationships is there's usually a lot of really great things about it and that can make you question which things should i change about myself uh i have someone very close to me who always says to me like don't literally don't change anything um and this is a person i i highly highly respect for the way that he is dating because he has one of the best relationships I've ever seen. But to me, it's very, uh, to a certain level, I disagree in the sense that I think you have to be able to adapt to whoever you're with because you also, I mean, you have to do some concessions. But I think, I, I find it very hard, at least for myself, to find out what things would you want to make concessions on and what things should you not have to make concessions on. For instance, I... Like, this is actually a point. I think if you have uh, a partner who's dealing with, for instance, an eating disorder, that's, I think, also, in a sense, difficult for the partner. Super. Because my ex always said, I was not your therapist. Whereas if you have something like that, you lean on your partner a lot, but you cannot expect them, you cannot expect another person to make you happy. I think that's yeah. my biggest relationship and dating lesson. You cannot let your happiness depend on someone else. You need to be happy with yourself and then you can share that happiness and build something together. And you have to f 
find someone who's willing to grow with you. Mm-hmm. And if you grow apart at one point, that's fine. But I would say it's very important to openly communicate about everything. Like communication can solve so many things because let's say someone is not texting back as you like or they forget something. It's probably more about them than about you. So yeah. you shouldn't take everything personal as well. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't necessarily. <laughs> But I think we maybe the kind yeah, of I take everything <laughs> super personal. I'm yeah. I'm super sensitive. I mean, I think that shows in the book. Um but it's really it's not personal if somebody has to change the day or meeting, if somebody doesn't feel the same way, it's not personal. It says more about them than about you than about you and let's be honest, um I think also, like I'm super open, I want to work on myself, improve. Not everybody's ready to go there. What do you mean? But I think if you, like all my friends or whichever, they're also working a lot on self-development, growth, etc. But sometimes people are just not ready yet to do that. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. So, if you now look at the the dating sphere, what are the what are maybe things that you know for yourself? I need this from a partner. Well, I read a book about attachment styles, and I can be either very distant or very anxious. Mm-hmm. So, avoiding a relationship altogether because I don't want people to come close, or being super attached because I don't want to lose them. Yeah. Um, I need some kind of reassurance i would say that the person likes me but then it also i i try everything i do every pattern i have i try to trace it back to myself so probably there's this one quote um if you fully accept yourself you don't need anybody else to accept you mm-hmm. so i can say i need reassurance that another person likes me but in the end no i have to like me If they like me, it's a bonus. But yeah. if I like me, that's the most important thing. Um, and I need I need freedom, I would say. I think you have that too. Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like spending a lot of time on, on but you the need things to, I find. Yeah, fun. you yeah. need to know you have a safe base and that you can talk about anything. Hmm. It's okay to f- fight. It's okay to have discussion as long as you also can appreciate the other person. And forgiveness, it's the most important one. Yeah. yourself and the other person yeah i was listening to another podcast where they uh where they said something which really struck with me actually two things one of them is they said they were married they said we have an agreement that no matter what we keep showing up and yeah. that really resonated with me because that's just that just kind of gives you that base that kind of um confidence that you're going to be there for each other yeah. and then the other thing which uh which dated in their relationship which i think was amazing is um they just kind of tell each other how they're feeling in terms of a percentage. <laughs> so they'll go to each other and they say like, um, hey, listen, I'm um, I'm feeling 50%. How about you? I'm feeling 50% too. But you know, okay, you're good. But then if um, one of them would say, hey, I'm feeling 20% because I had a bad day, then the other one can say, that's okay. I'll cover, I'll cover the rest. I'll be the 80% for you today and then and i was like well, that's such a beautiful way of putting it but then sometimes you'll have situations where you know you'll say i'm i'm, I'm on 20 i'm on 30 and the other person has the same 
And then for them, that meant like, okay, we know what that means. We cancel our dinner dates. We, we don't do anything tonight. We shut the blinds. We're going to watch a movie. We're going to have popcorn and we're just going to do nothing else. Uh, and, and yeah, I thought it was really powerful. So I just, I wanted to mention that. <laughs> no, I, I think relationships are such an interesting thing. I've, I've learned a lot in regards to relationships the past years, I would say, I think. I think it's also a relationship in the end. It's a commitment. Everybody's looking for this feeling of being madly in love. But in the end, being in love, it can go away and turn into love or, mm. or really being in love is something that can start later. But it's also a choice. And I feel like it's a choice not a lot of people our age are willing to make right now because yeah. it feels like such a big commitment and they put a lot of pressure on it. Yeah. But sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith and try. But mm. even I've been in situations where I didn't dare to take the leap of faith because yeah. I was too scared. But I think in the end, it's a, it's a commitment, it's a choice and it's a commitment to work together on things. You can grow as your own person, but you also grow together. Mm. What I find, I find it very hard because it, it seems like there's not a lot of very good guidance on how to make decisions in relationships, you know, in terms of being in and out. Like, uh, there's, it's hard to rationalize it. Like, you know, if, we, if we're going to have a discussion about investing, <laughs> I know that long-term investing is a good thing. I know that putting in money every month is a good thing. And then I don't have to listen to my feelings. I can just do it, right? If you have a relationship, it's, it's, very, it's very emotional, like you have to, you have feelings and um, I feel like every time you have a feeling, or at least for me, I'm going to have to decide, is this a true feeling or not, in a sense? Like, is this something I'm feeling because something is actually wrong here, you know, because the other person is doing something which they shouldn't be doing? Or am I feeling uncomfortable because I have maybe some belief or something that is just wrong on my side and it's a chance to work on it? And uh, <laughs> I struggle with that a lot. I, I haven't found any good answers yet, and I, mm. I find it an impossible space to, uh, yeah, to go for. I think it's both. Maybe people trigger you; they mirror your behavior. Like if I'm going to be very close, other people are going to be very close. Mm. If I'm going to be very open, you almost have no choice but to be very open or to leave. Of course, yeah. um, but I don't. I haven't figured it out yet. I've been single for a while, so. Yeah. So I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of a scenario, right? Like you have a fight, like, you know, everyone has fights every now and then. I'm the kind of person who wants to talk it out straight away because I hate being on bad terms with people and I don't want to hurt people around me as well. Um, is that a good or a bad thing? Should you have to talk it out straight away with the other person and should you kind of quote unquote force them into that because you find that comfortable or if they don't want to, do you just have to kind of, quote unquote, suck that up <laughs> and then just wait it out? That's a tough one. Because then in, it also depends, of course, on the fight, the circumstances. I also prefer to talk it out. But sometimes it's also good to let it sit for a little bit. I would say not too long, but take 10 minutes apart. I don't know. Well. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise you stay in your emotion i'm also someone i need to talk it out i need to talk it out right now because otherwise i'm i'm gonna become a complete stalker or do yeah because <laughs> yeah. i need to talk it out because otherwise i'm stuck with the feelings and it helps to write it down but if other people are not ready to do that then then what do you do yeah 
and maybe then they're not the right person i don't know <laughs> yeah I, i do think there's a there's a lot of combat compatibility to be found in the way that you solve yeah. discussions like if you both solve discussions in a similar way or you have a good agreement on how you solve that i think you can get relationships to go very far yeah, yeah. I mean, then it all comes back to communication right I mean, it always does, isn't it? <laughs> always. <laughs> always. That's why this experiment with podcasting is so interesting to me because, you know, even every discussion I have here goes in so many different directions. Like, yeah, I didn't expect to be talking about my dating life, so thank neither. you for this one. <laughs> Sorry about uh, that, guys. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't name any names. <laughs> no, that's good, I suppose. Um, I wanted to read another one of your poems um, just because this was, to me, one of the most... This one really struck with me. So this is this is poem 89. Um, it's called Love Yourself. All right. To my 12-year-old self, be yourself. To my 13-year-old self, don't try to half. To my 14-year-old self, don't leave half the food on the shelf. To my 15-year-old self, don't eat all the food from the shelf. To my 16-year-old self, love yourself. To my 17-year-old self, love yourself to my 18 year old self love yourself to my 19 year old self love yourself love yourself love yourself it's a lot of love yourself in there <laughs> yeah so that's that's maybe how, how people always say that love yourself like it's it's like such a statement that i see everywhere as a quote but what does loving yourself actually look like I would say it's accepting your flaws even on your bad days. Like nobody's going to be perfect all the time, but if you can look at yourself in the mirror and say I I'm proud of myself or or I'm allowed to be here, I'm safe, mm -hmm. that for me it's it's part of loving yourself. Allowing yourself to feel, to be present, to yeah, to accept yourself. And how do you get there? Well, that's a different path for everybody. And it's not like you're going to love every minute of every day of yourself. But you can start small. Maybe you love your eyes or not even related to your body. Maybe you always show up for your friends and you can appreciate that about yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. Or ask your friends what do they like about you and start from there. Yeah. Your actions, your behavior, the small things. So a question I can hear a lot of people have, or that maybe as a devil's advocate I would have is, okay, well, if you're just going to be loving yourself, what about, what about progress? You know, like, how am I going to be a kinder person if, if I think I'm a very kind person? But for me, loving yourself, it's also allowing yourself to grow and mm -hmm. to say like, hey, but... Like, let's say you love you love your friends as well, right? Or, or your parents or your kids, if you have them. You love them, but you also see sometimes like, hey, their behavior is maybe not optimal or maybe we can try to work on this and you do the same with yourself. Mm -hmm. Just because you love yourself doesn't mean you don't challenge yourself or you don't allow yourself to grow. Yeah. Like loving yourself for me also means giving yourself space to grow and allowing yourself to, for example, invest in yourself with coaches or with self-work, those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. So, Because I'm asking the question because to me it, it seems like there can be a very fine line between what is disciplined self-improvement and with what is unhealthy thoughts that are 
you know, gonna gonna start bad behavior. For instance, I think there's a lot of people who are very disciplined in the way they go to the gym uh, and the way they eat, maybe. But then I feel like it can sometimes be a very fine line between being disciplined about it and being so obsessive that you make bad decisions there. Um, and especially some, you know, especially someone as obsessive as myself, because I'm a very obsessive person. When I like something, when I love something, I'm gonna go all the way. Uh, I think most of the time I'm on the healthy side of discipline, but I do hear myself sometimes. Um, I, I sometimes I have thoughts in my head where I'm like, "Ooh, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's a good one, actually, because that's probably not from a place of I enjoy this, but it's from a place I have to do this." But already recognizing those patterns, it's a step, right? Yeah. What was the question again? <laughs> There's no question. It's more of a statement more than anything else. Yeah. I think it also comes back to listening to your body in a mm -hmm. sense. Do you love yourself enough to allow yourself to rest as well? Mm -hmm. And do you love yourself enough to forgive yourself if you made a bad decision? Yeah. I, I think actually if you if you don't make mistakes in a sense you've also haven't tried hard enough i made a lot of mistakes yeah <laughs> you fall seven times you stand up eight what was your what was your favorite mistake oh, this podcast no <laughs> no that's Ouch, very mean <laughs> no no <laughs> i'm trying to make it lighter yeah. <laughs> it's such a heavy topic sometimes you, you yeah. have to <sighs> my best mistake yeah but the My favorite mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing that comes to mind right now, to be honest. Okay. Uh, and I would not say that my mistakes are, are yeah, sometimes good dis bad decisions lead to good stories, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm gonna keep some things for myself too, I yeah, think. I think yeah, the book enough, is one part. Of, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, um, a mistake can also be drinking too much one night, but then sometimes you have a fun story after that as well. Yeah, this is yeah. true. Yeah. So you said just now that... Um, it, I, I noticed that we're getting to a point where we're both like, okay, it's, it's, it's heavy. We're going to lighten the discussion up a little bit. Um, and I can imagine that for some people listening, that's the case as well. So I just wanted to put a little piece of advice out there on how to deal with that. Um, for the people who know him, there's this guy and he's like a monk. He's called Mathieu Ricard. Do you know him? He has some, he has some great TED videos about meditation and whatnot. Um, and he is kind of quoted to be the happiest man on earth. And, and why? Because um, they kind of take pictures of his brain and this whatever happy molecule that he has there, he has the most of ever recorded. And so he makes a very strong distinction between compassion and empathy. And so when he was asked to look at people in a very difficult situation, like videos, and he had to try to feel like they were feeling, like you would in a movie, they could see that he was exhausted after a very short period of time because he was just, he was just drained by feeling their emotions. And we have, as human beings, very strong empathic abilities, right? And so what he says is the better way of dealing with difficult stories is to go in it from a point of compassion, which is instead of trying to feel how the other person is feeling, the moment you hear something sad or you see something sad, you try to feel compassionate for them. You say something in your head along the lines of, I, um, I wish them happiness. I wish them to not have this suffering and, and, 
and things like that. And when he did that, he was actually in a very, very peaceful place, which they could also show with the brain scans. So, yeah, if you guys find this a difficult topic to think about, try to change the empathy sometimes into some compassion because that makes it a lot lighter and it may actually help the people around you more as well. Should have put this disclaimer in the beginning, maybe. I can put it in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I feel also helps if you feel stuck or if you feel your energy stuck, move. Just move. Go for a walk. Do a little dance. Maybe you don't feel like it, but move. Move the energy in your body. Because hmm. your body is made up of molecules, energy. Bannon, yeah, yeah, the English word is missing in my brain right now, yeah, but yeah. Um, ev yeah, everything is energy, right? So move your body, go for a walk, do a small dance, uh, write it down, yeah, so you don't get stuck in the energy. Yeah, keep in motion. So maybe the last thing I want to talk about is motorbikes, just because <laughs> <laughs> I love it and uh, it's very cool that you ride. I feel like this is always a thing for guys in general. This, this, this is going to make me sound really bad, but like, what I feel like whenever girls do sports like, I don't know, motorbike riding, kite surfing, it's always something that a lot of guys are, <laughs> are really into. So how did you get to motorbikes? I was walking around one day and I thought it would be so cool to have my motor license. So I signed up for classes. First day on the bike, I thought, why did I do this? You don't even like to drive. You took super long with your driving license. Now you're on a freaking bike. But I'm not a quitter. If I want something, I go get it. Yeah. Which also, what I say in the preface, sometimes it got me an eating disorder because I'm not a quitter. I'm going to go all in. <laughs> If I'm going to diet, I'm going to do it way too much and way yeah. too good. But yeah. also with motorbiking, I started, I, I did it, I finished it. It's the best thing ever. It's so much freedom. Mm -hmm. It just seemed like fun. Yeah. So, so it wasn't something that had been there forever. You no, just like, you were no. one day like, boom, yeah, we're let's do it. do it. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no good story here. Well, <laughs> I mean, no long time thoughts about it. No, nothing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So you write a lot now. Yes. I It's love the that. best thing ever. If I feel like my energy is stuck, I take the bike and I feel so strong. And one of the reasons also to get stronger, that bike is 200 kilos. I'm a tiny girl. Um, I'm going to want some muscles to be able to handle that bike. Yeah. You want to keep it up, right? Yeah. Sure. Awesome. All right. I think we should uh, go for a bike ride very soon. Yeah, let's do so, it. So, um, uh, I think it's also, there's one poem about the motorbike. It's my dad's favorite. Oh, which one is it? Number 38, I think. 38. Wait, let's just. I don't know which page that is. That's page 47. Ah, you do you want to read it? Oh, yeah. That's. Boy, oh boy, I am overwhelmed with joy. I bought a motorbike today and drove it all the way to, to my new place. It is my fears I'm trying to face. Proud. Yeah. What people don't know is that as soon as I arrived in Brussels, I dropped the bike and I couldn't get it up. So I had two guys <laughs> to help me. <laughs> yeah, I know all the stories behind the phone. It's quite funny. Yeah. But yeah, thanks to those strong guys who helped me get up my motorbike. Yeah. Do you find driving scary at all? No. Okay. You only fall when you go too slow in a turn. Yeah, yeah. Or, or when a car hits you. Yeah, that also happened Details, once. Yeah. But really? You've been hit? Yeah, but not very heavy. They were oh, also okay. nice and the 
nothing was bad you're just a little bit shocked but you have to be super careful yeah, yeah. drive safe kids yeah, disclaimer, yeah. <laughs> second disclaimer <laughs> second disclaimer motorbiking yeah. is fun but dangerous yeah but that's just a lot of fun things right it's yeah. the same with same with kite surfing but if you never take a leap of faith if you do what you've always been doing nothing will change yeah yeah if you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you always got. Yeah. I don't remember who said that. <laughs> no, but but let's end with this beautiful quote. Yeah. So, last question, actually. And then uh, and I think we'll wrap up is uh, the billboard question. If you had a billboard on which you could put a one-liner, a two-liner, anything for the entire world to see, what would you put there? I would put one of the poems and then buy my book. No. <laughs> <laughs> which, one would you put? which one would you put? I think, I don't know which number, but I think it says, um, can we all just accept being perfectly imperfect? Yeah. It's somewhere in there. Yeah. Because it's a one-liner, right? So I can't yeah. put a very long poem to that one short to the point. Perfect. All right. So um, for the people who want to reach out to you, how should they... Uh, how should you get in touch? Um, I think the easiest is my Instagram, which is Ananda, A-N-A-N-D, and then four A's, or anandadejager.com, and there's my email, my phone number, so they can always reach out. I try to answer as fast as possible, but I also have a job, so... <laughs> Great. So we'll yeah. put all of that in the show notes, also the link to our new book, which uh, I would highly advise everyone to check out, and... Um, that's it then. Thank you, Ananda. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm very curious to hear what you guys thought of this episode. So feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook or anywhere you like. Um, also make sure to check out the show notes if you want links to anything that we discussed, which is there on www.monoclemoments.com, which is M-O-N-O-C-L-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-S.com. Then if you want to reach out to Ananda, you can go to her Instagram, as she said, which is Ananda and then four A's at the end. And yeah. Let me guys know what you think. Until next time.